Hello, this is Mama D, and I'm the host of Petals of Support. Petals of Support is a podcast that offers advice from a mom to anyone that needs a little extra love and support. This is not advice for moms, but advice from a mom. I've covered such topics as forgiveness, how to forgive, when to forgive, and when it's okay to not forgive, letting go, how to make good decisions, and how to handle stressful situations. I'm not a licensed anything. I'm just a mom that wants to provide to you the same advice that I give my kids, my friends, and my family. You can find me on any podcast platform. You can also find me at Twitter, at Petals of Support. Please go listen. Find the episodes that apply to you, and maybe the ones that don't. You can file that information away for later. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Thank you. What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. After the show, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever you listen. The feedback helps us out a lot. And we are now on Patreon, and for $3 a month you can get early access to episodes, as well as some exclusive features like behind-the-scenes sound bites, or maybe even some giveaways. Your support is appreciated. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh, big laughs here. Big laughs here. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's get this started. All right, the started magicians. Yeah. Welcome back to the Rewatch Recap. I am your host, Dustin, and with me again, as always, for the magicians is Oraline from the podcast Spooky and Strange. Hello, A. Hello. Hello. I don't know why I said it like that. Hello. Like, sultry and... Like you're offering me a, a snifter of a... What do you put in a snifter? Gin? <laughs> a snifter of snuff? I don't know. <laughs> a whiskey? Like, I don't know. When you hold out one and you're like, hello. Hello. <laughs> rough day want to talk about it no anyway so before we begin some housekeeping you already know to leave a rating and review where you listen please do that and just to remind you again that it's only three dollars a month to join the rewatch recap patreon for exclusive members only access to extra episodes weekly what could be behind there pre-show discussions it? that's what could be behind there <laughs> Every Tuesday after each episode premieres. Wow. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. The link is in the show notes, by the way. So sign up today and help me and the show keep going because we, we broke yo. The more you know. <laughs> so how are you, Orlean? How are things going? I'm honestly mentally traumatized by that previous episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't trust anybody. 
you don't trust whether something's magic or not. Maybe he's still in the mental institution. It's just oh another... my god, what if the show went off for the rest of the season on that? Like it wasn't one episode. What if they took it for like a multi-episode arc? Yeah. And just make you is he in a mental institution? Is he not? It's gonna feel like Lost or something. I just know that Lost. I loved like Lost that. until the end. So yeah, that's what everybody said. Some people like the ending, and those people are crazy. I mean, come fight me on Twitter. Like, I'll, I'll fight you. I have never rewatched the show from end to end. I'll have to do it at some point, but I I want to make some money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to place bets. <laughs> Whether or not she's going to like it this time or not. I don't know. I don't know. That. I don't know. I watched it on TV, like, weekly Live. over okay. years. I never watched it. Like, I think I missed it. Or I, th- I started watching it. Or may- I might have watched the first episode. I was like, I don't. I think I lost interest in the middle of the first episode. I just can't get over what Lost did to me. Everybody, there needs to be a support group for. I bet there lost is. Lost disappointees. <laughs> How has your life turned out after this great disappointment? Hi. <laughs> Life went to shit after the Lost finale. Oh my god, that would be a hilarious podcast if I just interviewed people about like how bad Lost went off the rails <laughs> and how disappointed they were. That'd be good for like any like series finale of a show. It was so disappointing. I lost everything. <laughs> oh my god, I have multiple of those I want to do. Maybe I should actually turn this into a multi-season podcast because come at me how I met your mother. That was the worst finale of all time, and I'll fight anybody, including the showrunners. Yeah. I'll fight everybody. To the death. That's the worst show that was ever on TV. I'm hoping that How I Met Your Father goes a little bit better route. I haven't watched that one, because again, trust no one. Well, I think they probably learned (laughs) from the last one. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we get back to the subject. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so this week is episode five of The Magicians, titled Mendings Major and Minor, Hmm. which sounds like a tutorial on how a magical infirmary might work. (laughs) Yeah, although we were tricked with the last title. We get tricked in all these titles. Be something very off the wall, like Quentin will be like, I don't know how to do open heart surgery on Dean Fogg. (laughs) (laughs) Dung, dung. No, that's Law and Order again. Sorry. Wrong place. Beep, beep. I don't, I don't know what that would be. Is someone <laughs> <at> the door? <laughs> yeah, Clinton's inexperienced. Um, yeah. Okay, let's see what happens, shall we? I'm doing the recap this week. Boom. All right, let's go. Previously on The Magicians, Alice and Quentin tried to conjure Charlie, her brother, but oh, no. he, he went full niffin and... Quentin bound him into a box, which caused Alice to want to leave break bills. Also, conniving Marina got Julia to put a curse on Quentin, which Julia saw as a prank to get back at him for being an ass to her, but was quickly a ruse by Marina to get, uh, it was actually a a ruse by Marina to get Dean Fogg to lower the protected wards around the school to help Quentin, and thus allowing Marina and Julia to walk right into break bills. And all Marina wanted to do was get her memories back since she used to be a student there. And then she punishes Julia later on for trying to go and help Quentin with, you know, help Dean Fogg save Quentin. She basically banishes her from her hedge witch group and branding her as excommunicated via her tattoos. 
pretty permanent. Yeah, it looked like it hurt too because it looks like it, there was smoke coming off, of, like it burned into her. Like that's yeah. a bitch move. Julia's having a rough year. Life right now. Well, yeah, I guess it'd be a year. It's been months because it's apparently hard to track it, the time. But yeah, yeah, the time has been. It's been months. So. Oh, and by the way, and Penny discovered he was a traveler, which is just a means of teleporting, and he can jump in between worlds. And while he was meditating, he apparently heard somebody's voice cry out, please help me. So now we are in Dean Fogg's office and Fogg escorts Quentin in and wants to know what he wants. And Quentin's like, what's going to happen to Julia? And Dean Fogg's like, oh yeah, your hedge witch friend. And he sits down and goes, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> like, and Quentin's like, what? And Dean Fogg's just like laughing at him. He's like, I'm just fucking with you, Quentin. In this world, you can't tell what's a joke. <laughs> I'm going to kill her. Because he's very serious about it. And you're like, what? I mean, yeah. I know it was a joke, but it's, you know. It could happen. I mean, you never know, right? Um, so Q just wants to know if, if they're going to erase her memories again. And Fogg's like, she just find out again from her magical buddies. Mm-hmm. And so Quentin's Not concerned. Quentin, though. No, not Quentin. Quentin wouldn't tell her. You know he wouldn't. He'd be a jerk about it. Ass. Um, Quentin's concerned that she'll get away with it. And Fogg's like, I'm not the magical police, Quentin. Get away with what? I mean, yeah. I mean, you can cast spells on other magicians. Fogg has other problems to deal with. Like, leave it alone, Q. Like, that's, that's true. There are other students, and there's also a beast. Yeah. There's a lot more stuff going on than some hedge wits running around. Don't worry about it. Fogg says that they won't be back, and they know what, you know, what will rain down on them if they do come back. And I'm like, yeah. Maybe, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it they? seems like Fogg's level of tolerance would peak at some point. I feel like he's been exceedingly tolerant of all of their hijinks. Yeah. And you know, it's just kind of like, uh, at some I mean, point, like, it's a little too much. hundreds of other students here. They're the only mischief makers, apparently. Everybody else yeah. just stays quiet and does as they're told. Everyone else is like, fucking Quentin. <laughs> Get away from that kid. So he tells Quentin to just let it go and, you know... Since what the hedge witches do out in the world is their business, and they tend to crash and burn pretty quickly on their own. Like, oh. Breakbill's elitists are like not nice. They're not. And then we jump over to the hedge witch warehouse, and we see Julia trying to get Pete to give her back her magical memories. Wait. And the spells. I, th- I was like, did she lose her memories? It sounded yeah. like that's what she said. Like she took some memories from her. Maybe Marina can take your memory of the spells that she gave you. I don't that know. That she had learned so far. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, she wants, no, oh, she wants the, the spells that um, Marina, she helped Marina get because she's owed it to her. But Pete's like, Marina locked him up and he wouldn't give them to Julia anyway because he doesn't want to be on Marina's bad side. So he's, yeah. Quote, He's supposedly protecting Julia. You're like, okay. I mean, I think so. Like, Julia should stay away from Marina. He should. He should get away. She's just pissed that she, now she feels like she's owed the magic that they stole, but Pete's not going to budge. She's like, you know, you need to leave. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to protect you from Marina. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you should probably listen. Marina's a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> and he knows that better than she does. Like, he's clearly known Marina longer. Right. If you're going to come there, you better have some reinforcements or something, mm-hmm. you know? So she finally leaves. And we end up somewhere, some garden 
where uh, Dean Fogg is trying to convince Alice to return to break bills. And she's like walking around snipping plants yeah. and putting them into a basket. I'm like, where the hell is she? Like, I don't understand where she's at. Is she at home? Is that at her house? Is that, I don't, I mean, she is rich. I know that much, right? She's supposed to be well-to-do. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting seeing these little glimpses of them away from break bills or like with family. And they don't really explain their situation. You just kind of see them in it. You're like, okay. Mm -hmm. So she's like, she's pretending like not to listen to him or whatever. And he tells her that this is just a small corner of the world. And I'd like you to see the rest of it. I'm like, ugh, that sounds like a line. A so salesman she's line. Dangerous. She's dangerous. Like yeah. maybe she should take a break. Maybe let her step away. Maybe she's at some kind of mental retreat. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she says she doesn't like what she's, what she saw already of the red break bills and the magic world. And, he says, you know, students leave every year and he doesn't go searching for every lost lamb. But she cuts him off saying that, you know, he didn't you didn't invite me. I snuck in to take the entrance exam. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm like I thought you knew this already. I think it's vital information, Dean Fogg. He's got a lot in his head. Yeah. And I'm like, but how could she not be invited? I still don't understand. Like, it doesn't seem right. Like, she's too smart. And I mean, there must be from a something... legacy family. But we keep hearing about how fucking crazy her family is. Yeah, but she's I don't a think they're a fancy legacy at all. Yeah, okay. I think they just because you're a legacy doesn't mean they want you there. Yeah. But anyway, so he says um, they made a mistake and that they didn't invite her because he felt responsible for what happened to Charlie and didn't want to put up uh, more on her family. I'm like, okay, sure. However, he realizes that this was wrong and he invites her back for at least another week. And if she doesn't like it, she can become a farmhand. That's what he says because she's picking flowers. I'm like, a farmhand? Yeah. All right. So back at Breakbills, it's alumni week. Oh, God. And Mar Margo is over here like, you know what? I am ready to win the alumni week Hunger Games. I'm like, oh, God. Like, oh, what, no. kind of, what kind of crap are you going to get into? And Elliot says that his mentor last year was a was a nun, and he vows never again. Like really, a nun? Do you have a mag we have magic nuns? Yeah, that sounds interesting too. Tell me more. I know. I want to meet these magic nuns. That sounds cool. Meanwhile, Quentin seems to be talking with a mentor that's all about feet. Um, she's like, I really like feet, and she's like, I like broken bones and warts. And has interesting stuff of fungi of the toenail. I'm like, ugh, ugh, disgusting stuff. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Elliot says that 99% of these mentors, quote, lead to a lifetime of soporic, soporific, bourgeois mm -hmm. magic hell. I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't look it up. It's, it's not something we want. I don't. Yeah, it sounds bad. Magic hell doesn't sound good. So Yeah. Breaking from his mentor, Quentin is surprised to see that Alice is there. And so her mentor walks off and Elliot and Margo speed over and they're like, oh, my God, your mentor is Genji. Isn't it Genji? And how you say it? Or is it mm -hmm. Genji? I think it's Genji. Anyway, no, I don't remember. I wrote it out. It's spelled G-E-N-J-I. And apparently she runs some kind of magical retreat that Margot calls Camp David for Magicians with Elliot adding in if Camp David was run by Caligula. I'm like, ooh, a magical orgy like all the time. Wait, like a magical murder orgy? Yeah, that doesn't sound good. I don't want to go to that. No. 
I think he's just thinking about regular or I don't think he added the murder part in. But. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It sounds yeah, I don't like it. So Alice just stands there staring at them and Elliot and Margot, and it's really kind of an awkward moment. And Quentin just starts to apologize for um you know, to Alice for the incident with her brother. And she says she knows that she shouldn't blame him because her brother really, you know, died five years ago. And she's just really upset because, you know, she's like basically feels that he messed up her chances to bring her brother back. Oh my God, Alice. You know what I mean? And I mean, I get it. It's understandable, but her brother was already too far gone when he died or whatever, when he became the Niffin. Yeah. So she just kind of boasts, I just, and she does that whole, like, I'm so, you know, damsel in distress, weird vibe she got. And she runs back to her mentor, Genji. But she'll never be upset enough to put her hair behind her fucking ear, will she? (laughs) Will she? She's not that upset. No, just one ear. Just one ear. She's a one ear girl. Anyway, elsewhere at Break Bills, Penny is cooking up some sort of thing in in a lab most likely some kind of potion and we hear a kid it sounds like a kid um crying out as some you know for help as some old guy with a cane walks in and sits down he slaps his cane on penny's table and says penny i'm stanley your mentor and it's like okay <laughs> hi <laughs> penny's just like looking at him like what the fuck old man and he he starts to leave and he's like, I didn't ask for a mentor. And, and Stan's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I love this thread of certain characters who are just like, I don't care what you want. He's He kind of, I mean, if you want to compare him to another Harry Potter character, he's like Mad-Eye Mooney. Mooney. Well, without the evil part. Let's and hope. without the, the wandering eye thing. Yeah. Eye patch thing. Whatever. The weird eye. I don't know. Anyway. So... Apparently he's a traveler too, and he says that they're they're rare. And Breakbills hasn't had a, a traveler attend there in thirty five years. And so Penny's like, "Okay, I get it. It's an amazing gift." And Stanley's like, "No, it's a terrible life destroying burden." <laughs> and that gets Penny's attention, even before Stanley shows him his wooden leg, which apparently he lost a frostbite on Mount Everest. And I'm assuming oh. he didn't jump there on purpose and get stuck there. Similar to The Time Traveler's Wife. An absolute trash bag of a book, but something similar happens. Okay. So, okay, so Stanley continues and starts talking about uh, Penny taking astral projection training and that he needs to get, like, the special neck tattoo that will bind him to the earth so he doesn't teleport himself somewhere else in his sleep again. So, basically, he's telling Penny that astral projection is the way to go instead of actually teleporting real places. I'm like, ah. Really? Is there really no other way to control this? Really? <laughs> and he says it won't make the voices go away, but it'll keep you alive. I'm like, okay. Mm. I'd like to make the voices go away. Can we do that? That's probably going to help. Yeah. That's the thing we should focus on, I think. So over at the cottage house, Quentin's wine of the episode is about not knowing anything about mentors and mentor week. And he just wants to know, you know, how, how do I impress a mentor? Mm-hmm. And Margot looks like her, gives her mischievous looking look again. And she, she looks to Elliot to suggest that Quentin play welters, which Elliot explains is a game like chess, but not really where you use magic to take squares. He hates it because he thinks it's boring. And I'm like, okay, so 
we can't have a magical school without a magical game. You know, with Hogwarts, we get Quidditch. With the Salvatore School on Legacies, they have this game called Wickery. Okay. It's kind of like a football and Quidditch mix type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so I, I just, I'm interested in knowing, I didn't understand. And the, they don't explain the game right here, but we get to see it in action, which is kind of interesting when we see it. Um, well, we did just see upside down chess in the last one. So now we have another variation on chess. Yeah. Or supposedly. <laughs> yeah. So Margot adds that there's a secret tournament, which is, how do you, do you say tournament or do you say tournament? I say tournament because I'm American. Yeah, she says tournament, and I'm like, oh, tournament, color, color, color. <laughs> so yeah, she says there's a secret tournament, but she likes spoiling surprises, so she's gonna tell them about it. And a team from each discipline will be competing while the mentors watch. And Margot looks to Quentin and says, "Don't screw this up for me." <laughs> well, damn, he's definitely gonna screw it up. You know he is, right? So later on, Quentin practices some tut, the hand movements, some um, hand movements, crossing his fingers to do something. When Alice walks up and breaks his concentration, she brings him a message. Someone called and left for him at the office, and he reads it and finds out that his dad is sick. Magician's title sequence. Bling, 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 bling. And yeah, that's a little bit echoes of last episode when his dad... Something was off with his dad, right. even though it wasn't that Quentin attacked him. I wonder if there's like a premonition of sorts. Hmm. That might be interesting. So, okay, now we're at the Coldwater house for Papa Coldwater. And Quentin's dad has brain cancer and adds that it's the good kind of brain cancer. I'm like, there's a good kind of brain cancer? <laughs> Does this one make you smarter and live longer? If so, sign me up. Um, no. So he tells Quentin that, that there's other, like, he, other than some like headaches and some dizziness, you know, I haven't felt sick at all. He just went to see the doctor and he also says that he hasn't told Quentin's mom because he just doesn't want to talk to her. I'm like, okay. Honest points. <laughs> the mystery of Quentin's mom. Right. What's going Wishy. on with Quentin's mom? What's wrong with her? His dad says that he worries about Quentin because he never hears from him or sees him anymore since he's started that school. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of hard to balance your magical life and your plain old human life, isn't it, cute? Then he basically says that he plays this, like, parental head game. He does. He plays this game. He goes, I want you to be happy. Do what makes you happy. But only under these guidelines. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand what's going what on. What good parenting. Yeah. He like he's like talks about sit, like sitting through like Quentin's card tricks growing up, and he's like you know, I'm you know, and Quentin like knows what he's saying. He's like, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. And his dad's like, dump your bag out. I'll bet there's a fillery book in there. I'm like, ooh, yep. That doesn't mean he's a kid. I hate how people are like because you read a children's book that is beloved and dear to you, you're a child. No, yeah. that's not why. It's because he's emotionally immature. Exactly. That's really what he should say. <laughs> and then he starts to talk about how he knows Quentin checked himself into the hospital, the mental hospital, a few months back, and he didn't say a word about it. I'm like, oh, well, how noble, Dad. Uh, why are but, you bringing it up now? Yeah, because he's bringing it up because Quentin's prescriptions are still coming to his house, and he's like, you're not taking any of them. Like, what's mm-hmm. going on? And, and we like, know okay. he does still need his meds. 
Well, we know. We we definitely know. We've all been said like I love how even in this episode we find out that magic doesn't hurt help like regular ailments of you know what I mean? I know. That's so sad. And so you're like, well, then that means you are still mentally like ill in you know. Right. A little that bit. means you still have a chemical imbalance in your brain and you can do magic. Right. <laughs> I, I just I don't get it. But whatever. Unless he magically makes the chemical in his brain now. I don't get it. Anyway. So he tells Quentin he's not trying to fix him. He's trying to fix what he broke. And of course, like, you know, Quentin's like, no, oh, so I'm the broken one. He goes, no, I'm trying to fix our relationship. Our relationship is broken. So back at break bills, Elliot and Margot are at separate times. Both approach Alice under the guise of making friends, which, I mean, you can see it right off the bat. Alice sees it. She's suspicious, suspicious from the start. I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah. Either one of these two comes up to you and starts talking things. They both want favors. Mm-hmm. So apparently, okay, so Genji, the mentor lady, is um, Alice's aunt, which somehow I missed. And they want Alice to put in a good word for both of them because they still don't have a mentor. And Elliot says that, you know, we're so we're such good friends and I feel a deep connection to you. <laughs> like, oh, come on, Elliot. Oh, no. That's landed on thick. Yeah. But like, Margot goes the right route. She was like, I helped you find Emily Green Street. Like, basically, you owe me. Which that's mm. the better route to go. Like I did you a favor. So, I mean, so anyway, first where, like, where are like Alice and Elliot talking? They're walking near some kind of weird fountain. And I think I know- there's a lot we haven't seen. On um, break bills. Yeah. Because yeah. behind them, it looks like Epcot center. It's like <laughs> this big, like dome, like, you know what I mean? It looks just like, if you go back and you see it, you'll see it. Okay. She tells them both that I'll see what I can do. Okay, sure. Well, I I suspect she doesn't talk to her family really. No, why? She probably like, talks that to the aunt. Be... The aunt seems like a nice person. I don't know. I'm gonna go ahead and say that people associated with break bills, on the whole, not nice people. I don't think magic makes any of these people nicer. No, well, it gives them power. Why would you know? <laughs> and a lot of them abuse it. So we jump over to Julia's loft. And James comes in and Julie looks up and from what I assume she's looking up magical related stuff online. She says she was working on a paper, but we, we know it's a lie. Is she still in school? Uh, or she's giving somebody the, uh, the idea that she's still in school. I don't know. Yeah. So surprisingly, she bakes something for dinner. I'm looking up her, you know, trying to be all, I'm normal. Look at my, oh, yeah. <laughs> And he seems pleased, and he tries it, and he says, "Oh my god, it's actually good, like people food." And I'm like, "Well, damn, she doesn't Ouch. take a, like she doesn't take offense to it. She laughs." I'm like, "But how rude!" That's me. <laughs> I mean, pretty it mean. Like people food, like oh, not puppy chow. Oh. She should have given him puppy chow. So he tells her that he's relieved to see her like this, and she's like, "You mean not high all the time?" Because remember, she was but, talking about how she was away. I a, know, but she wasn't actually high yeah, but all the time. She was acting all depressed and down. And so he thought, oh, she's numb. She's high. She's got to go to rehab. And now she's back to her normal self. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't trust her. No. Trust no one on the show. <laughs> no, you don't trust nobody. So back at Papa Cold Waters. It's kind of fun to say, Papa Cold Water. It sounds nicer than it is. It really, yeah. 
Um, Quentin comes back to find his dad puking his guts out in the bathroom. He wants to take him to the hospital to get him some proper meds, but his dad's like, I'm not taking any medication. He says that he has gliboblastoma or glebo. I don't know how you would say it. I wrote it I think it's glio. Glio, glioblastoma, excuse me, glioblastoma. I don't know what it is though. Yeah. He says it's the most common type of brain tumor and the most severe. He chose not to pursue treatment for it. And then, like, Quentin, like, jumps on his ass for saying, like, hey, I looked up, like, you know, I Googled some brain tumors. And, and you know, it, one of the things that's very common is you lose cognitive function. So maybe you shouldn't be making decisions about not treating this condition. But his oh, dad's like. Oh, oh, kettle. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, Your beds are over here. Let's the talk about son. looking up depression. Yeah. <laughs> and his dad's like, my doctors actually agree with me because it's like. Where this tumor is located, if I get it operated on, I could come out a completely different person, a completely different personality. And, you know, I, that's scary for sure. Yeah. Like, are you going to forget everything? Are you going to, you know, like, he doesn't want to, that's probably part of the fear too. Very fair. Yeah. So he's like, I'm just going to let it happen because I don't want to lose what I have. That's scary. I agree. And I mean, it's totally someone's decision whether or not to treat something like that. And yeah, Quentin doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm scared. Don't give me no brain tumor, God, please. So that night at the Break Bill's mentor party, Quentin arrives and sees the weird podiatrist magician lady, Dr. Beers, talking about her 401k to somebody. And she's always talking. She won't shut up about being a podiatrist. Um, he goes right up to her and is like, I need to talk to you. My father's dying and I need you to fix him. Commercial break. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and we come back and Dr. Mears is like, okay, look, Quentin, if magicians could cure cancer, why would anybody have cancer? Only the enemies of magicians. Exactly. <laughs> and that would be a lot of people because a lot of people have cancer. So it's like. I mean, that's the kind of the point we've been making, really. I mean, especially you, like, we have limitations to magic. Yeah, and it totally makes sense that magic can't just, like, erase and heal something like that. Just like it can't erase and heal your mental health. Like, that's... Well, he hasn't learned that lesson still. (laughs) I know, and apparently Dean Fogg didn't either, because (laughs) you don't need these pills. Like, no, yes, he does, Dean Fogg. He really does. (laughs) You need some eyes, too. So, I'm just saying. So Quentin's unconvinced. He's determined to find something to help his dad. But Dr. Mears is like, okay, look, cancer is kind of like a part of people. You just can't get rid of it. It's sort of like an old curse we can't break. I mean, yeah, it's your own cells. So it does also make sense. It's not like an invading thing. It's it's you replicating. You attacking yourself. Yeah. Right. So he thinks someone, you know, someone must have tried. And she asked him if he knows why Dean Fogg never tried to fix his eyes. Oh, God, let's not open this. Do- Quentin, you're like a freshman at magic school. I know. And you're like, oh. And she's like, because it takes an enormous amount of energy to do something like that. She says it will give him, like, I can give you some articles you can look at, you know, but just look. She warns him, like, it'll take more magical energy than you can muster. You just need to, like, deal. And so this is what gonna, happens. Right. He's like, without hesitation, he's like, here's a pen and pad. You know, here, write down. I'm ready to write down all the stuff you need to tell me about whatever you articles. You barely know how to do magic. He's so freaking arrogant. Like it's just like, no, dude. No, I come hate on. him. 
So at the cottage house, Elliot is in a kimono making cupcakes. It's in smoking at the same time. He, he looks like a like a 1950s housewife almost. He does. Um, Margo walks up and she's like, oh, you make cupcakes. And he was like, yeah, you can have one if you think you can afford it. And she's like, honey, I've got the metabolism of a Jamaican sprinter. And then she's like, brings out this like double charmed bottle of sake from Okinawa. And I'm like, oh, it's like this bit of friendly but dirty competition. And yeah, Margo's are they playing winning. each other? Oh, totally. <laughs> she takes one of his cupcakes and he goes, this is war, bitch. And I was like, oh, it would be great if he was anticipating her coming down and he like did something to the cupcake. It would. And that like, been... we don't know. They know each other well and we don't know either of them very well yet. So, yeah. but we just know they know each other. So. Back at Julia's loft, she kisses James goodbye and immediately goes back to her. I mean, literally, he closes the door. She picks up her laptop and <laughs> looks and sees, you know, uh, looks up a spell that's titled Invisible Fire, Not for Noobs. So then she she preps the spell ingredients and does the spell. And you can see this, like, heat from the flames that are shooting out of her hand. But then she, like, burns her freaking hand. And we jump to Pete is now in her kitchen bandaging up her hand. And he's actually being a decent guy here, right? Of all the people, I'd rather make a new friend than call <laughs> Pete for anything. <laughs> he tells her that she should know better than to use Google magic. She can burn down her freaking apartment. I mean, he's right. Like, yeah, he's just looking out for her. And she's honest when she says she can't think of anything else. And all she wants to, you know, I, th- I mean, I would probably do the spell again. I would be the exact same obsessive freak. Absolutely. You think so? Yeah. I'd be like, I'm I'm going to get this. I don't know. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I probably would too, actually. So he says her boyfriend could have mended her hand, but she called him. Yeah. Not that he minds because she's like a beautiful girl in distress. And when ew, she calls, blah, ew, blah, blah. Ew, ew, I'm like, ew. Ugh, I hate these lines. Stop it. Stop it. I Pete. hate Pete. Stop. I, hate I want him. to like you. I want to, but you keep making it hard, Pete. And she rewards him by grabbing him and kissing him. And then Ew. she pulls off her dress and he goes for her again, but she stops him and pushes him away. And she says, I want to know about other head witches and safe houses. And he thinks it over for a second. And then he like grabs her, kisses her, and then like takes her from behind almost. Like you see them like pulling down her underwear. You're like, it's like, whoa, shit. Are we going to like yeah, see I mean, stuff? This is, this is a, a barter exchange here. This is just like dirty um, oh. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, she's hoeing herself out for this. Julia, you do not have to do this. Uh, it's the oldest profession, right? Well, Anyways. no, because how would they get paid? In spells. That's why she's getting paid. No, I mean, like, how would they get paid if they were the oldest profession? Who's paying them? Oh, I get you. <laughs> okay, so at school... Quentin is reading the articles Dr. Mears gave him, completely enthralled and missing Margot's calls from him. She shows up next to him and slaps him on the arm, telling him, you know, you're late to the game. It's mandatory. Let's go. And so we go to the gym where the physical kids um, show up and to play Walters against apparently the nature kids, the natural kids. That sounds who, cool. Yeah. She says we're going to beat the squad of flower power ass clowns. I mean, that's unnecessary. Well, it's, I would know. love to be a garden witch. That would be great. <laughs> so, okay. So Welters is, is basically, there's a bunch of squares on a board and it's basically a court. 
a board, whatever, um, so to speak. And so they have markings on each square for certain situations and circumstances that you have to cast the perfect spell for that square. And I'm like, wait, so you're going to let like first year people who barely know magic <laughs> compete in this? Like, And there's just like an audience. It's like, is this safe? I know. Like things backfire so easily. And Quentin the entire time just looks lo- numb and lost. Like he's not even really paying attention. Sad so the first boy. Yeah. Um, so this nature girl rolls the they they say the globe. They call it a globe, but it's like a die. It's like a freaking D and D die with no numbers on it. It just goes somewhere and then you have to whatever it lands on, you do the spell for it, I guess. So she tries and she fucks up her spell. Um, then Margot rolls and starts moving her hands and the audience watches and cheers and she conjures, like, I guess it's like a, a kimono dragon mm-hmm. and walks over to the square. She claims it, she picks it up and Dean Fogg is in the audience as well. We start to see. Meanwhile, Quentin is lost in thought about his dad's cancer, repeating the conversation in his head over and over. And it's now further into the game and team captain Margot is yelling at him to quote, get your head out of your twat and throw the damn globe. Like, oh damn! He looks she wants up to win. I know. He looks up, and everyone is on the like is on the board now. Like everybody's been playing except for him. Even Katie, who we've not seen in this episode so far, he tries to pick the globe or the die. Like I said, with his mind, like call it for it, but it doesn't come to him. And Alice is like, she picks it up and hands it to him. She's like, "What is wrong with you?" And he doesn't answer. He just rolls, and it lands on a black square in the middle. And everybody's like, "Ooh." And he starts to do a tut, but Alice is like, wait, are you sure you want to do that? And he ignores her and just like creates what appears to be this like miniature black hole that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as he starts walking closer and closer to this square. And it appears out of control as Elliot's like, are you controlling this, Quentin? And we go to a commercial break and we come back and the black hole is like out of control. It's above everybody. Everyone's freaking out in the audience as the winds whirl around the gymnasium. Dean Fogg just stands there watching. And Alice walks up to do some spell, causing the black hole to close. Everyone applauds as Aunt Genji or Genji or whatever and Dean Fogg watch in amazement. So we go over to the cottage house and apparently Margo's raving and it's like the one spell so powerful that it wiped out the whole board to Quentin. And I'm like, did he mean to do that? No, he definitely did not. It was just luck that Alice knew how to close the damn hole. I and honestly think, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's cheering. Quentin's just laying in like all emo and what appears to be a pile of pillows squarely placed in the, randomly in the floor. It's really strange. And Margot tells him to get up and celebrate. But he's like, I don't care. Uh, I'm emo. Uh, I don't care. No. Switch my hair. No one else's parent has ever died before. It's ever. just mine. Yeah. Margo's like, I get that your dad's sick, but like, it's important for you to like, look for your future and you need to like, think about it. I'm like, I'm glad that Margo's actually kind of acting concerned here. She's like being yeah. responsible. She's like, look, I'm sad about your dad too. It's a really bad thing, but you've got things going on too. You have to do this stuff. He talks about how a mentor came up to him afterwards asking him to like help stalk a river dragon i'm like 
random, random request, but okay. <laughs> and he said no because, quote, nothing matters or some sad bullshit. It's cool. Come on, cool. Quentin. Come on. Margaret, gives, she gives it to him straight, right? She says, the sadness he felt for his dad helped him today. The whole like magic is pain thing. Mm-hmm. She also adds, it's a great way to get the things you want is to be miserable and act like you don't want them anymore. Be is so it? miserable you don't want them anymore, right? Which, I mean, that's kind of the way the world works in general. Like, you don't want something, it just finds you. I don't know. I don't think that's true. I think a lot of people want things that they don't get. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, when you're looking for the, you know, you're looking to date somebody, and if you're really looking, you're not going to find them, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. That's what they I say. I know a lot of married people who were intentionally dating and are now married, so. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, Quentin asks why the world, like, why can't the the world run on love, not pain, or cocaine? And she says, it's the universe deep-dicking us. Lie back and try to enjoy it. Which kind of gets a little chuckle out of him. And it's, it's funny, actually. Lie back, try to enjoy it. Okay. Meanwhile, at some random bar, Julia arrives and is talking to a bartender that, and says that Pete sent her. And all these people, like, in the bar kind of stop and, like, start gathering around to her when the bartender asks her, like, show me your stars. And she says, I can do you one better. And she conjures a tiny storm cloud. The bartender is impressed and says, welcome. And he tries to find out her name. He, What's your name? She just grabs his notebook and starts thumbing through all the spells that they have. Like, mm-hmm. rude. And why would you just leave that out, by the way? Um, she's like, I'm unimpressed. She's like, this is it? And then she just, like, walks out. And he's like, wait, what's your name? And he's like, well, can you at least show us the cloud thing you just did? Right. And she's, like, on a mission. But I'm like, rude? Come on. She's really rude. Like, she's not making any friends. And no. she doesn't have any friends left. So. I'm like, maybe you should think about making some. You know. Nope. Back at break bills, Penny and Katie are just finishing up in bed together. And they're all worn out and panting. I'm like, damn, they're some aggressive fuckers. They're aggressive I mean, as hell. It's funny because everybody else is focused on like Welters and Quentin is depressed and these two are just like regularly fucking. <laughs> it's like we're just going to have some sex right now. That's so what funny. We're doing. <laughs> so apparently they have been at it enough for Katie to ask, what day of the week is it? That's what I mean. <laughs> like, uh, hmm. Priorities. <laughs> he lights up a joint. She finds a sketch of the tattoo that Stanley showed him and asks, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's to stop myself from traveling to an early grave. And she's like, uh, maybe, you know, you know, everyone on the planet busts their butt for freedom and you've got freedom for free. You can like, he goes, yeah, but it's not freedom if I can't control it. She's like, well, figure out how. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, it's not so simple. I get it. You know, I can only imagine what it'd be like not to be able to stop yourself from popping up in random places. But she says that, you know, he could be the greatest thief that ever lived. And (laughs) that's true, though. You you can start stealing. Yeah. You know, he can start by stealing her a sandwich. And then at some diner or something, I guess. I don't know. We see that Julia's meeting up with Pete again. It's like, hey, that day drinking losers, that bar you sent me to was not fulfill the terms of our agreement. And he's like, our agreement. And she wants a better group of hedge witches to learn from. But he's like, that was like the number two group in all of New York, <laughs> of all of New York City. And it's like, it's not their fault that they're the tortoise and you're the hare. And she's wow. like, they're not even in the race. I'm like, 
damn, she is getting Dark cocky. Julia. She's Dark getting Julia. so cocky for somebody who doesn't know enough. Quentin and Julia used to be best friends for reasons. Exactly. <laughs> but she's the likable one. That's the thing. She's more likable. Yeah. Out of the two, she's the likable one. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> he says the best thing for her to do is to get out of town and look for some real talent. And she's like, well, do you think that safe house in Hoboken is better? <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> Hoboken just randomly. And he's like, actually, I thought about what about Molly? Or Mally or whatever it was. And um, he's like, I think there's some witches that work with object magic. We can both go there together. And I'm like, oh, he's actually likes her. Like he really likes her. But she's not down for that. She's like, look, I can't. I love my boyfriend. And he's like, you slept with me a couple days ago. Yeah, first spells. And she's, and no, but her response is, you're welcome. Dark Julia. <laughs> oh, dude. that's. I love when Julia goes dark. I know, but you're like, damn, that's arrogant. Oh, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, damn. And he rightfully gets upset at that. I mean, come on. Because she used him and he tells her he that. He used her. That's true, though. She did kind of make it very much aware, like, hey, you can have this if you tell me this, you know. That's what I mean. Like, this was, he knew what was up. He thought about it. You saw it across his eyes. Yeah. But, you know, he tells her that James and her aren't going to work out because she can't tell him about her magical abilities because of how dangerous it could be for both of them. He tells her that if she clues in James, it will be a mistake. And she says, give me spells and I won't do it. And he doesn't. And she walks off. I'm like, ooh, you might want to listen to him, Jules. I'm going to listen. Mm. That doesn't sound like it's a good thing. So at break bills, Penny goes to his meditation spot and he sits and he keeps hearing somebody say, please help me. Please help me. And it's a woman's voice, just to clarify. Mm -hmm. um, he was asking to rescue her. And he's like, who are you? Can you hear me? And then he opens his eyes and he's somewhere else. He hears the woman t talking in like a, some kind of cell of some sort and he reaches for the door and his hand goes through and it clues him in that he's astral projecting. So he walks through the door and he finds a woman all chained up. There's like chains coming from every di direction from the walls, from the floor, from the ceiling holding her in place and she's just like please help me. And he looks at her and he notices that there's a tattoo in her neck as well, preventing her from going anywhere. So he's like, ah, oh, she's a traveler too. And so the door opens and the beast walks in. All these moths. Oh my God. And he's asking if her, Victoria, is ready to talk today. And she looks terrified, but she doesn't say anything as Penny watches on. The beast says that he can wait all day. And then he turns to look at Penny and says, Hello. <gasps> ah. So Penny like, boom, wakes up from his trance immediately back at Break Bills. I'm like, That's Oh. Scary. Yeah, um, that is creepy as hell. Some dude with moths all over his face. Nope. No, thank you. Random bar. At a random bar, Penny walks up to Stanley telling him, you lied to me, before bringing out a flyer for break bills in 2013. He says, first one in 35 years. And Stanley admits that there was a girl traveler a few years back. And Penny tells him that he saw her in a dungeon and found out that she's part of the missing third year class we keep hearing about. <gasps> Uh-oh. So we're finding out about this damn third year class. Yeah. Stanley thought the girl was dead and Penny just wants the truth from his mentor. Stanley says that he can't help because he doesn't know where the girl is and it's not his problem anyway. I'm like, what a stand up guy. Stanley. Ew. 
Stand up, Stanley. That's what. Are we there any it. good magicians? Anybody that's a nice person in you know out to help yeah. people? No, doesn't look like it. He advises Penny, you know, to get that. You need to get that grounding tattoo ASAP. Better get that thing. You can be going everywhere. But then he can't save this girl. Right. You can't go there then. Like. Mm-hmm. So at the cottage house party, Elliot walks up to Alice, who is sitting alone drinking something unknown. He says that he has a three-year program for drinking that he'll be that you'll begin immediately. And like somehow, you know, he's joking, but it's like he isn't. Yeah. You can tell. I mean, I it, we know as for as much as he plays it light, like when he talks to Quentin, like there's some real shit there. Yeah, there's some dark stuff going on. He did some bad things in the past, and you know, it's gonna mess you up when you're a kid. So, yeah, he tells her to relax. Friends don't let friends drink Long Island iced teas, Alice. And I'm like, come on, I love Long Island iced tea. There's no way Alice is ready for Long Island iced tea. Apparently she was drinking that, so he takes it from her. Yeah, I would too. I would be like, Alice, you're not. Sorry. She smiles. I'm like, oh, she's chilling out. They're bonding a little bit. It's nice. And you kind of love to see Alice relax. You're like, oh, you look like a normal person right now. Well, only relax so far as to put one side of her hair behind her ears. (laughs) I got to have that kind of control. Wild side, put together side. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. Yeah. So Quentin shows up just then with his bag of bullshit, looking for Elliot and over apologizing for interrupting. And he grabs Elliot and he asks, hey, I want to know about cancer puppy. I'm like, oh, no. That don't I don't want to hear about. I don't want to know. This part makes me so upset. Yeah. So we cut to another room and Elliot is pulling a puppy named Gerald out from like this wicker basket cage of some sort. Do you know what kind of dog this was? I couldn't tell. No, I it it probably you know what it probably wasn't even a puppy, it was probably a teacup dog or Mm. something, you know, some random looking. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he says that this that Gerald is the cottage's unofficial mascot. And Quentin asks why Gerald has cancer. And Elliot says it's because Gerald is so freaking old. He's got an enchantment that keeps him as a puppy forever. He's 150 years old. Oh, my God. But it doesn't stop every disease possible from infecting him. So it's keeping mm-hmm. him alive and he's going through all this pain, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. That's the worst way to live. And you know, like Elliot's holding, he's like, he's got all these diseases and he's like cuddling this puppy. And I'm like, um, are you sure you're not going to catch one of these diseases from this dog? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are they communicable? What's going on? He hands the puppy to Quentin and Quentin's like, I think I can cure him of his cancer from a spell that it might work. And I'm like, you are going to kill this dog. I just know it. You're going to kill this dog, Quentin. And they prep the spell and then Quentin does his little tut and we immediately hear, yeah! From the puppy. Why, Quentin? Why? Why? You son of a bitch. So we cut over to Dean Fogg's office and immediately Fogg says, You killed cancer puppy? I'm like, fuck you, Quentin. I don't like it. And we don't like it when people kill our animals. Don't, not even in accidents. I don't care. You're a fucking selfish tool. Stop it. I mean, Quentin's already being an idiot. So it's not like an oops. It's like, Quentin, stop. Stop now. You are a dick. Can't stand you, Quentin. So Dean tells him that the spell was to, you know, that you're that you were trying to cast is like it's forbidden for all students to try to do that. 
And it's basically forbidden for all magicians to do it because even the best magicians in the world can't do it, Quentin. And a middling first-year student like you can't do it, Quentin. Put him in his place-dean fog. Uh, Quentin says he tried to help. No, you weren't. You were trying to... You weren't trying to help. This is... This is Sabrina behavior right here. It really is. That is Sabrina. Like, no, you weren't trying to help. That is very Sabrina behavior. <laughs> Either show. Either version of Quentin Sabrina. Quentin and Sabrina, sit down and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so Quentin asks Fogg why he didn't fix his eyes. And Fogg says he chose between his eyes and his hands. And he, I'd rather be able to cast spells. And my yeah. glasses help me see things anyway, right? I'm like, yeah. I mean, and plus also, you can pick little- up things. It's a little anti-ableist, or I guess ableist, the way that Quentin keeps being like, why doesn't everybody just fix their bodies? (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? Oh, yeah. I'd probably pick, like, fix my hands over my eyes, I guess. Yeah. I would take hands. Yeah. But if you could see and you couldn't use your hand to be like, you know. Especially if your hands can do magic and your eyes can't. Right. (laughs) My eyes are dancing around. I'm doing magic. So he tells Quentin, it's on the first page of your first textbook, Quentin. As magicians, we are the instrument and the medium. We are the chisel and the marble. And Quentin says, I read it, but, and Dean Fogg interrupts, but you didn't listen, did you? Yes, you can save someone's eyes. You can even save someone's life, but you might alter their soul in the process. And I'm like, ooh. But Quentin does ask a really good question here. He's like, then what is the point of magic if we can't fix problems? It's a good. But that's not what Dean Fogg said. I know, but he's like, but he does ask that question, like, what's the point if we can't do anything with it? And so, but Dean Fogg gives him a good comeback, and he says, because we can fix some things, so we fix what we can. Right, that's what I mean. Dean Fogg didn't say it doesn't fix any problems. He's saying it doesn't fix this problem. It doesn't fix all problems, right? Right. And it's like real medicine, though. I mean, you can only fix what right, you right. Like it's a tool. You can't use it for every single situation. Right. So back at Papa Coldwater's, Dad has fallen asleep watching Jurassic Park. When Quentin enters, Q shuts off the TV and wakes him up, almost thinking that his dad died at one point. He's like, oh, my God. But he didn't. His dad wakes up, and he said, I'm just a little tired. And Quentin's like, he calls Quentin Curly Q again. Sweet. Uh And he's like, what's going on? And Quentin's like, hey. um," He tells his dad that he does know his, you know, you know, you know, your kid. And, you know, I don't give a shit about learning about finance, you know, and his apparently his fake graduate school degree, Mm. what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He brings his dad to the kitchen table and puts like brings up the model plane that he broke when he was two. And he slowly does some hand movements and the pieces float up into the air and reassemble in front of his father, who is like in awe. And the plane just looks perfect. He puts it all back together and Quentin hands it to his dad saying, this is where I've been. I'm a magician. And it's a really good moment where Quentin does actually do as Dean Fogg said. He fixed Mm -hmm. what he could. He fixed the plane and he possibly fixed his relationship with his dad. Right. He's being honest. Why, you know, if your dad's going to pass away anyway, he might as well know the secret. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought that was awesome. I was like, good. This is the good Quentin that we like. This is the Quentin we like. Not the whiny one. So later on at a diner, Julia walks up to James and she's like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, uh-huh. And she's like, oh, you didn't get me a, a, a scone. And he's like, uh-huh. 
She goes, I tried to call you yesterday. I've been calling you a lot. And he's like, look, I don't know who you are. Do you have me confused with somebody else? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, Pete, no. you shady motherfucker. You erased his memory, you asshole. This is so cruel that I was like, ah. I know. And she's just like, what? And he's like, look, I'm sorry. And he just walks off. And leaves her like flabbergasted. And we go to a commercial break. I mean, that's like painful. He is like destroying the rest of her life. Like the last thing she has left. I know. And it's like, oh, why are you taking that away from her? Mm. So we go back and we're at the Hedgewood safe house. And Julia enters into the convenience store, the storefront that they go through. And the counter guy's like, uh, we got a little problem out here. And <laughs> she's like, uh-uh. She comes banging on the back door. She's like, Pete, now, fucker, open the fucking door. She's pissed. And he comes out and he's like, you know, he's like, what are you thinking? Marina will be back any moment. And he's like trying to push her towards the door. And she stops him and she's like, you're pathetic. And asked it was some kind of sick revenge because she wouldn't screw him again. And I'm like, it kind of seems like it a little bit. It does seem like that. Why would you trust any of these assholes? I know. He says, I didn't do anything. And she says, of course you didn't. Marina did. You couldn't get it up for this kind of magic, You even if you wanted to. <gasps> Julia, someone's going to murder you. I'm like, you better watch them words, girl. Watch, right. You like, are not safe. You, you don't no know friends. everyone's capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it wasn't to hurt her. It was to save James from her since you're out of control. And he says he wants to stand on, you know, you want to just stand on people's shoulders, but never take our advice. I'm like, well, it's true. That is true. He's not wrong there. She's trying to like bypass all the beginner stuff and jump right into heavier right. magic. And he's like, no, you know, no wonder they wouldn't let you back into break bills. And then she's like, oh. and so she leaves suddenly, like seemingly hurt with the truth that hit her, you know? Yeah. But really she's thinking about burning them all alive. <laughs> you know it. You know, she is. So back at break bills, we're walking around campus. Alice tells Aunt Gunji that she just can't get into break bills. I just can't get into this. And I can't get into alumni week. She tells her she doesn't care about becoming a magical podiatrist or cataloging cryptides. That's what she said. I'm like, they're cryptids. Maybe cryptides is something else. Well, I was watching with subtitles on. It was spelled cryptids. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, someone on that set did not correct her. Mm. And they just let her say it that way. I, you can tell sometimes they don't correct the actor. You're like, oh, that's not yeah. how you say it. Ugh. That was like the time I heard like this woman. I was watching the news, the local news. And she was talking about cannabis and getting ready to sell cannabis in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And she was talking to the sheriff. And she kept calling it cannabis. But when she called it... <laughs> She called it a cannabinoid. I was like, what's a cannabinoid? <laughs> and she kept saying cannabinoids, cannabinoids. I was like, it's cannabinoid. <laughs> Why would it be cannabis? Are you sure it's not cannabis? <laughs> like, what's Anyway. Yeah. If you want a really good time, watch Grey's Anatomy. And if you know even base medical terms, you will hear how often they butcher them. <laughs> well, I remember seeing somebody took pictures of Grey's Anatomy stuff, like how all the stuff was put on the patients wrong and... It's it was bad. just it's it's very much like the wrong syllable on the wrong uh... the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so all right, back to this. So yeah, um, Ganji tells her that she doesn't know what she cares about. Then break bills is the perfect place to be to discover herself. Basically, she says that Charlie will be proud of her, and Alice can always run away to me. You can come to me, honey, whenever you like. Whatever. I'm like, well, that's nice. It's a nice aunt thing to do, right? 
she then looks over and sees Margot and Elliot just watching them. And Alice, like, like, what do you, what do they want? And Alice, like, I don't know. So they approach her, and Ganji's like, look, I think you're impressive, but the thought of working with you exhausts the hell out of me, and I am too vain to sacrifice my looks that way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because Elliot's like, I totally get it. Maybe next year. And she's like, yeah, sure. I want to say that to somebody someday. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of working with you exhausts me. <laughs> so yeah, Ganji like walks off. Alice smiles and walks off too. Meanwhile, Margo and Elliot are devastated. And Elliot's like, what do we need her for anyway? We can start our own bed and breakfast. And Margo's like, retreat hotel, bathhouse. And I'm like, oh, Lord, that place will be riddled with STDs in like a month all over the place. Ugh. I mean, you just know the physical house is full of STDs. I know. They already have one. Like, it's already the They probably brothel. have magical STDs. Right. Oh. I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> so in class, finally, a freaking class again. Another class. No we way. Finally a see whole something. second class. I'm like, how, how else are they going to learn? Right. Uh, so Alice watches as a professor played by Keegan Connor Tracy, who played the Blue Fairy once on Once Upon a Time. Oh, fun. Bringing it back to the Lost thing because the producers of Lost produced Once Upon a Time. Um, and the professor's talking about a spell and how it, quote, helps to hold pleasant image in your mind like a baby if you tolerate those. <laughs> I'm like, she is my kind of teacher. <laughs> I am not a baby person. Uh, so Alice looks over to a distracted and sad Quentin. I'm like, what else is new? As the professor tells them to partner up and get started. So they agree to be lab partners. And she looks at him with concern. And you can tell that she wants to be his friend because here she seems really genuine. She asks if there's, you know, did you find a way to fix your dad? And he doesn't answer. And she puts her hand on his and says, you know, you'll get through this. Don't worry. You can get through this. And it's really sweet of her to kind of reach out. Right. Mm -hmm. She's trying to. Finally. Yeah. He says that he's glad she came back. And they just kind of look at each other in silence. And it's just kind of like, oh, nice. that's nice. They're connecting. Mm -hmm. So in the dorm rooms that night, as Katie watches on, Penny sketches what looks like a seal of sorts with two ram's heads on it. Remind you of anything? Hmm? I love this. <laughs> I do too, actually. She tells him it looks like Game of Thrones fan art. And it kind of does, actually. So she also tells him that, you know, he needs to tell Quentin and Alice. And he says, hell no. And he's like, the beast saw them and they are involved in all this. They need to know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, go Katie. Katie's the one with the big ideas. She's the smartest character on Katie. the show. Yeah. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. So we jump later to the cottage common room and Penny recounts the story of like everything that happened with seeing the lady in the, you know prison and whatnot and seeing the beast and he tells q and alice and katie shows them the crest and quentin immediately goes to Ooh. to a fillery book and pulls out and it's called ember seal and he goes penny i think you were in fillery and the <laughs> it just zooms in on Kent penny's face he's, he's like oh shit fillery is real you just know it and that's the end of the episode you're like yes finally oh we've God. confirmed fillery is real it's a real thing it's so exciting like i as much as I'm like, Quentin, shut up. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> finally, something good's coming from Quentin's mouth. Uh, we We're finally just connecting got... more threads. I love it. I know. And I'm glad we finally got like, like answers as far as like Penny's powers and how those things, how that works. Yeah. And how far Julia's willing to go to get freaking magic, like sexual blackmail. Like, what the fuck? 
I mean, I unfortunately think she's willing to go further than that because oh. she is determined, tenacious. She she wants that magic bad, 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 I mean, bad. Here's a question, though. Is it really that much different if Quentin got kicked out and lost magic at this point? You think he wouldn't go to the ends of the earth whining the whole way, but he would try to get it back. I don't think he'd be as persistent as Julia. That's he might true. even go back to be like, oh, I'm a mental patient. It's something wrong with me. He might even convince himself of that, you know? Maybe, but I feel like after the last episode where he kind of experienced that, he now better knows like he doesn't want that life. Like he wants to keep what he has. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Right. <laughs> well, because he's Quentin and well, he didn't appreciate it, but maybe now he does. He's learning slowly yeah. but surely. He's learning. So what did you think of the episode, everybody? Please reach out to us on social media. Orlean is at Spooky Orlean on Instagram and Twitter. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap. Or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird-ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. Also, who's your favorite character? Because we keep, like, shouting out different characters. But, like, who's really standing out to you? Yeah. Who's the, who's your MVP of the season so far? Let us know. Yeah. We want to know who your favorite character is. And make sure you tune in next Monday for the recap of episode six, Impractical Applications. Sounds that could be the title of this entire show. <laughs> really? Seriously? <laughs> I wonder what that one's about. Hmm. It's probably not what we think, as usual. Quentin and Alice get up to some hijinks and break something. <laughs> That's my guess for every episode. Well, it's almost every episode anyway. Until then, keep it magical, everyone. Goodbye.